Hello, and welcome back to the Evolving Hockey Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm joined by the Evolving Wild Twins, Josh and Luke. Last week, we said that we were going to have a guest episode on Wednesday with Corey Schneider. Uh, don't worry, that's still going to happen. It got postponed. All three of us just were feeling a little bit under the weather, so we decided uh, instead of all recording kind of sick, and, and Luke actually had like a little bit of a cough, if I remember correctly, yeah, uh, you can we'll hear it on it. the. We'll do it this week. Yeah, you could hear it when I was laughing on the last podcast. I had, had <laughs> it was a... it was funny when I was <laughs> editing the episode that I realized because Luke and I record in the same room, which like I can't. So well, I don't want to get into the weeds of how much like what editing a podcast is like. It's really not that like I don't know. It's glamorous. It's not, well, I wasn't trying to say it was glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like anything that interesting, but. Because Luke and I have our microphones in the same one, I can't just mute Luke if he was coughing because you could still hear him coughing on my mic. So, which is a little bit on us. So it's kind of funny. So, yeah, we uh, Luke was what we got back from Seattle and Luke got a yeah. got a cough. I think we you assumed it was like that RSV thing that was going around. Yeah, I kind of think it was because it was mostly like a cough. It's been basically it's pretty much almost gone now. It's been about two weeks, and I think I never I don't think I ever got bronchitis. Luckily, uh, I didn't really have any kind of infect like infections in my lungs. But uh, yeah, it's been kind of it was just annoying cough. Yeah, so then for about a we're, well, we're doing the guest spot. On Wednesday, and so we're going to keep this episode pretty. It might only be thirty minutes. We'll have to see, but we're well, planning saying, to only keep yeah. it pretty pretty did, short. Did we say in the last episode that we were going to try and keep it short? <laughs> I think we did at the start, and we didn't. I'm not sure, but this one we're going to see if we can, as a experiment, <laughs> see if we can keep it short. Because whenever we say that, we never can. But yeah, and anyway, I I developed a bit of a cough as well after Luke had it. I think I got what he had, and then Sean also was sick. So. Uh, apologies if you were expecting a guest episode last week. We will have one out. Hopefully, it'll probably be out uh, th- early Thursday morning this week. I think yeah, if, if everything hopefully. goes yeah. so, so it'll well. be it'll be a vi- ready to go for your holiday travel plans if you have any. Yeah. for that weekend. Um, and if you're uh, in Minnesota at all, uh, I you probably likely won't be traveling around the holidays because we're going to be getting a blizzard here. It seems like, and it'd be extremely cold. Uh, which you it know. is kind of funny though. I was gonna say this, like I don't mind the cold. Actually, I kind of like the cold. But like, it's funny whenever it gets to like zero or like minus, you know, five or Fahrenheit. I should say. Uh, I always like to check what the temperature in Winnipeg is, and it's always like <laughs> ten degrees colder than here. It's always like because I was like looking at this. I think Winnipeg is technically the coldest major metropolitan area in Canada. I'm pretty sure. Um, which is is it's like I kind of understand why some pe- players wouldn't want to move to Winnipeg. <laughs> I kind of get it because it's uh it's very very cold. You ever been Winnipeg. to Winnipeg, Sean? No, I don't think he's been east of the or west get of the Mississippi. Anyway, that's I don't even know where that joke started at this point. So old, but I don't know either. I've just seen it on Twitter. I think it's like all other Canadians who don't live in Winnipeg, like just kind of making fun of. Also, maybe it's because their hockey team's called the Jets, and they don't have a, <laughs> a airport. Is the joke? So how they do wait, have an airport? No, I know they do, but people started saying they didn't have an airport because they have. It doesn't matter. Anyway, a, it's a good question actually. Where the joke about? Well, we have to explain to our non uh, hockey or like hockey fan American friends that it's a it's a joke and people don't really get it when you take it out of context but it is pretty funny when <laughs> we we randomly... were trying to tell our mom about it about how there's this silly joke and it was around i think we've talked about this on the podcast but how we when we went to ottawa we we connected through winnipeg 
and I had kind of didn't realize at the time that like that was an actual like joke because I didn't understand it. So we tweeted about how like the Winnipeg airport was like actually really nice and it was like really easy to get through and people were <laughs> in our replies were like, "What are you talking about? Winnipeg doesn't have an airport. <laughs> you're, you know, you're clearly not in Winnipeg." We were trying to explain this to our mother. And it just really made no sense when you try to explain that kind of joke to somebody who doesn't isn't on Twitter about how and doesn't know like the Jets. Yeah, well, and why Winnipeg. is it funny that Winnipeg would not have an airport? Like, what is the point of that? Um, which, yeah, I, pro- I don't know. Maybe maybe some of our listeners are confused about what even the hell we're talking about. Which is just the joke that Winnipeg doesn't have an airport. I, don't yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they don't. But anyway, um, um, we were just talking. Yeah, we, before we started recording, we were talking about Pierre Luc Dubois and the uh, the trade. And the Blue Jackets uh, kind of bringing in, what, Line A and Roslovich and, like, a fifth for... No, no, PL- no. The fifth came in with the Bjorkstrand trade. Well, I know, but I'm saying Bjorkstrand and PLD, Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah. in combination were traded for Line Roslovich, and, uh, I don't know, fifth round. Yeah, essentially, right, because Bjorkstrand was, like, moved to clear the space for line a this summer so like to some extent like that was the trade yeah and that's a really bad trade yeah it, although i will say that bjorkstrand has been uh struggling a little bit in seattle which is kind of interesting i wonder what this like if it's a it seems like there's like some type of systems thing there where certain players just either take a bit to get acclimated to it or just you know, it's yeah, I don't know. I mean, because I, I we've watched a decent amount of cracking games, and I've always felt like Bjorkstrand looked pretty solid. Because uh, what he's been playing with is it? Has he been playing with McCann or Burkov? I can't remember Burkovsky. I think. Let's go on over to EvolvingHockey.com. I'm not, I'm check. trying to remember what the lines have been in Seattle, uh, which I should know, but I I don't. I'm uh, confused. They're on late at night. Like I don't even remember. I don't <laughs> think the... I've watched the Kraken since I. Uh... Oh, they came to the East Coast. I definitely watched the Kraken. After Seahawk, I would say, when's the last time you watched like a, a Pacific game, like a West Coast game, all the way through on the West Coast? Have you ever in your life, Sean? Depends what you count as West Coast. I mean, we're talking like West Coast. What do you mean? Depends what we count. Well, like, I don't know. I watched the the Bruins play the Coyotes like uh, on the what was it the, when they was lost tenth? The yeah, yeah. That yeah. was we had them projected at like eighty two percent. Well, yeah, yes. I sorry. What I should say is the Pacific time zone is what I'm what I'm mostly saying here. Isn't Arizona? Oh no, they don't do daylight savings time, right? Well, there's something about that, isn't there? We've already kind of covered. The game was on at like nine thirty, so it essentially counted, in my opinion. The game got over at midnight. Oh, so it started at six thirty local time. I don't know what the local time is in Arizona. I think that I don't. Yeah, they're on. They do it. So right. So it's. Are they in Pacific? Well, Pacific time Whatever. would have been... It doesn't really matter, but I think that... The latest games that start for us are at 9.30, and that would be... like Normally, it's like a Kings game. We'll start at 7.30 local time, which... Yeah, Bruins will do their West Coast trip like the first week of January, or their California trip, which I was almost thinking about going out to San Jose on the 7th for my birthday, but I was like... Eh. Treat yourself. <laughs> yeah, there you go, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, I'll have to stay up for those games and track, and it will probably <laughs> be the death of me. Like it's just <laughs> because I get up early, it is really tough to to stay up through them. Are you a guy, are you a guy that has to like get coffee? Like are you a, like oh I need coffee to stay well, up? Well then yeah, but then you can't then you can't get to sleep. Uh, I don't have that problem. Yeah, I've, I've never had that problem. Or then you might struggle to sleep. So here's a, I guess a rant, a very niche topic. 
very very niche topic although i guess to a certain extent it isn't but i think it's it's worse for me the new um board advertisements yeah because i'm tracking and i'm watching the game in such a like um i guess like serious manner like i really like i'm following yeah. the puck like very seriously and i think that might be affecting my sleep I oh, can yeah. see in a sense because I might track before. So if we're recording the podcast, the Bruins are on right now. If I wasn't recording the podcast, I'd be watching the game and then I'd go to bed. And I am pretty certain I sleep significantly worse on nights where I watch hockey before I go to bed than if I don't watch hockey before I go to bed. Because like the puck will go in and out of sight players will go like in and out of sight like they still have not fixed it like i was a big i defended it for a bit and they still haven't fixed it and i honestly think it's like affecting my sleep yeah, yeah i mean I this I is worse because of it i think this is something that I've, I've read about now i i tend to we usually i would say that our nightly routine is that i don't um but i don't know i guess it depends on screen time so like are, are you watching on a computer, like, up close or, like, on your TV far away? So, again, very niche conversation. So, if I'm tracking, then I'm sitting at a chair with a table in front of me with my computer, and then the screen, the TV screen is in front of that. Like, so, it's double, kind of, double screen exposure. Yeah, but, like, I would hope that I'm not looking at down at my computer screen as much. Like, it's six yeah. keys. Like, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and- I I would think also because it's like the hockey game is it's so like white, like the the ice surface is just bright white, right? And you have these kind of like it's it's not like an easy thing on the eyes if you're following it that intensely. Um, but it's it's really funny. I can see with the with the digital board ads that did you see that video of them just going black? <laughs> no, I didn't no, see that. Did not it see was that. pretty funny because then the players looked like I think the title. I think maybe this is on Reddit. It was like the players were like glowing <laughs> because like their outline was like popping out of the boards because they they just went like black. It's like if like you know those road signs like that are above like freeway oh, overpasses. Yeah, like th- this one I found it was on yeah the top of uh, our hockey for the last week. Yeah, the, the boards are just black. It's so weird looking. Yeah, it's really funny looking, but. I don't know. It's it's just like I hope that like that's not also I think about like them tracking shot locations, right? Like is this like making the actual live trackers? Now, I don't know. No, no, no. The no. trackers are in the arena. Yeah. Oh, I keep okay. saying yeah, this, yeah. but I <laughs> low key really want to grab one of them and and like no, I would, talk to them. Well, it's No, you should. It's funny because we I don't were know if I'm allowed. In, yeah, oh, okay. and I don't know if Josh wants to get into this, but we've been trying to tackle rank bias and in score like shot location like uh score adjustment bias so yep. which is a thing that's been on our you know have we did anyway. we i can't remember we're too far into this ep- podcast now i don't know how other ep- podcasts like do that where they like remember if they've covered topics i feel like i so i just have forgotten whether or not we've talked about this at all um, we've definitely talked about rink bias before on here but yeah i don't think it was in a context of that i think like it definitely we talked about henrik lundquist which is okay like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's known case of, of essentially things. the lightning rod for almost all the, the the discussion or the debate or arguments around rank bias is yeah Lundquist specifically the Rangers in the first like four to three to two to five seasons. But I've been really trying to tackle like I mentioned last episode a little bit that we're kind of getting into retraining and redoing our XG model, um, which again is not going to be the, the like that. It's not a lot's going to change, but as part of this, I wanted to. Well, yeah, hopefully, but part of this is I wanted to really try and 
tackle or at least come up with some uh, way that we could adjust for scorekeeper bias. So just a really quick overview of what that is, especially in the first three seasons. The NHL introduced their RTSS real-time scoring system or hit system um, in 2007-2008, and they actually had people, I think it's like usually, I don't know what it was in 2007. Um, now I think it's a, tr- a team of like, what, like three to five people. Um, I want to say it's something like that. Is it um, these th- these three people, like when I walked out of the yeah. arena the other night, there was the, these three people like doing the due diligence or whatever, like after the game by the computer. Yeah, and so what you get is that you have different teams of people in each arena that are tracking those games. Um, and for the most part now, there's very little bias between the, the ranks. But in the first three seasons, specifically the first, like two, in 2007, 2008, and for the most part, 2007, 2008 is like, like it's not just like the tracking; it's also like there's missing coordinates, there's missing. Oh yeah, events. the data it's, integrity from the first year of the <laughs> RTSS data is just, and it's just it's really funny because the first three seasons in the NHL is like API. Like if you go if you go back and you you find you try to find games on the NHL's website and you go to like Game Center and you go by to play by play, like they just don't have them. Like the first three games just disappeared somehow. Three seasons. First three yeah, yeah, three seasons. I'm pretty now and, that was the last time I looked, but it is it's funny that I mean it's just historical data, so it's yeah. like whatever. Well, but and, and what I was gonna say though is is actually we have at this point, because there's been now fifteen seasons or whatever of play by play data Almost everything that we do in terms of our modeling, we just exclude the first three or four seasons. Now, that's not entirely true all the time, like especially if you're like in our contract projection model, we're using like prior years as an indication of, you know, prior three years. And so those would get excluded in terms of training, but the prior years would be included for like, say, the 2010, 2011 season or whatever. But um, a lot of those first couple seasons are really uh, like a little bit sketchy and this is a big deal back in like say 2008 or 2009 when people were starting to use this information or use the data that was coming from the rtss system um or that's rtss uh you know tracking and so there were a lot of methods that were actually there weren't a lot there were several methods i think two at the time that were proposed about how you could deal with scorekeeper bias so again in each arena you have people who are tracking the shot locations in a in inconsistent way now it's usually well, or it's, consistently inconsistent yeah, with the rest of yeah, the league. So yeah. the famous one is Madison Square Garden. Like the first three years, the trackers tracked. Like I'm not. It's you know we don't have the games, and we've been wanting to do this kind of is to go back, find like say ten games at MSG, and actually retrack the shots. Right, the actual locations of the coordinates yeah. to see. Okay, where were they actually? off by that much right but i don't even know if you can go watch those games anymore yeah you know I'm, sean like can if you can go back I mean, and like at least not in america i don't think okay like, they basically got rid of everything like now that there's even no nhl tv like they've gotten rid of um like archived videos if you will multiple times now which has yeah. been really annoying in many senses like not that i necessarily have the urge every day to go back and watch like <laughs> some game like find some game from like the 1718 season but like honestly like i don't know it just feels stupid not to have those if those were once on nhl game center which then became nhl tv which now like everything's on espn plus right yeah and so when I'm, they switched yeah. over from game center to nhl tv when mlb am came in um they basically got rid of like all of the old video and everybody kind of was like, why are you doing this? Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and they used to have like um, NHL Vault as well, like which used to have like games from like the '80s and stuff on it. Like this is, should really be a thing that we keep around, but yeah, yeah. No, you can't well, you can't yeah. go back to which go is back to those really unfortunate because I there I, I getting back to the bias issue is that it it really is the biggest issue in the first three seasons. Now the Rangers were from what I've looked at so far, and we're not completely done with this, or actually, well. We're getting, we're kind of getting to a point that I think we found a, a system that is going to be usable for for the adjustment. But um, it's like the first five years for M- at MSG are all pretty kind of a little bit eye opening in terms of how off they are from the rest of the venues, and that's kind of what you look at is how. Well, there's a couple different ways. What a lot of people have looked at in the last couple of years is the the home versus away splits for teams. Um, so, for instance, if like. You know, Toronto, or I guess, well, let's just use Tampa, which I think some there was some question around Vasilevsky, I think, in the last couple of years. But what some people would do is look at, okay, how do the Lightning play at home? And then how do they play away? And then what's the difference there? In terms now, of, like, their shot yeah, coordinates. In ter- shot coordinates, but also, like, shot volume or shot quality, these things, like what the XG model would, val- would value. And um, But there's, there's a little bit of a problem with that because there is – a known difference between how a team plays at home versus away. And you, I mean, the, the home ice advantage is a legitimate thing, which is kind of hard to, you have to kind of figure out if you can bake that out. So it's not an, it's not as easy as just saying, Oh, this, look at how different they are from home and away. That's the difference. So we have to adjust for that, which there's something more there because teams clearly have an advantage at home. We know this just even looking at like the win probability for home teams, right. And how teams play in each arena. And so, um, but especially in the first couple seasons of the play-by-play data, there were um, there were big issues with the coordinates and how they were being used and how how they compared between arenas. And so there were a couple different methods that were developed back then. Sorry, Sean, you look like you were gonna. Yeah, I was gonna build off that with the home road split too, and just add the point in that um, you know it's also you're shrinking your sample size as well. Yeah, which yeah. is already like 82 games as an example is already like small, and if you're comparing samples of at max 41 games a piece yeah like you can get yourself down the wrong path a little bit like if i remember correctly it was either last season or the season before the carolina hurricanes shot location home road split was like becoming a topic yep and like i remember i asked people that had better data um <laughs> or like, know, like computer track data right yeah like 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 how much of this appears to be um like an actual thing like an actual bias and, and how much of it is like true and it like seemed like um from everything it was actually last year with frederick anderson actually i, I remember correctly oh yeah now. and uh because his home road splits i think particularly were like out there and like no, like they just played differently in those games, and it's a small sample. It's like reasonable to 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 think to yourself that like they could play completely different for say twenty games at home and twenty games on the road. Yeah, yeah, and have that be almost misleading at times, even if yeah. it's a drastically different. Yeah, well, and, and, and the and, the other thing I was gonna say is like so one thing also is that it's really if if you're doing it if you're not looking at home road splits, you're gonna look at comparing what the away teams did in a venue versus what all away teams did. Now that's the method that Michael Shuckers came up with in his total hockey rating when he did the way that the adjustment, and that was the adjustment that um, kind of allows you rather than just correcting for shot distance. um, It, it allows you to correct um, the actual coordinates themselves. 
Um, now there's some problems with that. And he has said this also, <laughs> it was just kind of the, the best, you know, there's, there's not really a, a best way to do this. Um, it's kind of like, you're just trying to find an adjustment that works. Yeah. Kind and, of. And, and just to, to quickly, cause you already mentioned it, there's basically been three methods that have been at least in the public that have been, uh, proposed and used in the past. There's the first one. Actually, I think there's four because I believe Alan Ryder, um, pre-2007, actually, or yeah. in 2007, 2008. Shout out to also, Alan Ryder does not get enough credit, uh, yeah. in the, I think, in the public. Not a lot of people know who he is, but he was, I think, maybe maybe the first, like, hockey stats yeah. person. Like Person he was that worked, would proto, yeah. proto hockey, like, modern hockey stats. Yeah, like, and, like, he kind of developed the idea of an XG model in hockey. Like, this was, I think, pre-2007. There were a couple seasons before where they had kind of some usable well, data and it was you had to kind of piece it together and it was more of like a weighted shot uh weighted like kind of method, i don't think but you, i don't think you had the look the actual shot locations but it was based on shot type and um i well, think they yeah. had some like zone in information anyway i'm not but sure there's several like he had several like basically the foundation of some of the ideas that we still use now that were before we even had rtss or like play-by-play data um, but I think he proposed a method or at least pointed out the issue with scorekeeper bias. And then the first one, I, be- I believe, and I- I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his last name, but it's Ken uh, Krizvici, Krizvicki. Um, Krivitsky. Kravitz, Kriz, Kravitsky. It's uh, a yeah. Polish last Kravitsky. name. So, yeah, Kravitsky. K-R-Z-Y-W-I-C-K-I. Um, in 2009, he has a paper out there uh, that essentially looks at or uses a linear model to kind of in, a, a, more of an inferential look at how venues are impacting shot distance, which then you are able to take the coefficient and adjust the distance based on the difference between home and away or based on how the venue is essentially impacting the shot distance. Um, and then Michael Shuckers and Brian McDonald uh, proposed what Luke mentioned, a method that is uh, in the appendix, actually, of their total hockey rating, which was an original kind of war or player evaluation model uh and that one has been referenced a lot and then micah blake mccurdy his method i think is the most modern one um it's a very he's got a paper on hockey biz that you can go read or i guess it would be an article probably more but he references all three of or all two of those and then does his own method as well um and so the one that we're starting out with is is michael shuckers and brian mcdonald's kind of approach which does seem to work pretty well but there's some things that because uh, that's from I think 2015. I want to say 2014. 2014. I think they presented at Sloan. Yeah, it's it, a Sloan I'm... paper that it's hard to find the paper. Uh, <laughs> like I think I it's think still out there I, somewhere. I think you have to kind of find it on the Wayback Machine because I don't think Sloan their website is hosting it anymore. Yeah, but, but it's it's out there, and so that's anyway, the one that we're working. Well, basically, with, but... what what I was saying about this was that it's it's like hard to um, if you basically it's hard to bake out team strength from the venue in this venue adjustment because a good defensive team is inherently going to have their opponent shots further away from the net than a poor than average right because teams that are good defensively generally they're a they're limiting shot rates and b they're limiting shot quality and shot quality is the component here that we're concerned about and a good defensive team is going to be limiting shot quality, which will mean that their shot coordinates, the coordinates of the opposing opponents, are going to be further away from the net. So if that's the case, then it's a hard question and problem to solve of, okay, well, we know that there are problems with home and away splits. You know, it's like Sean mentioned, we have missing data, smaller sample size, teams play differently home and away. 
So that would be the one way to evaluate the, if a team is strong defensively. is like, oh, are they strong in their own rank, and are they strong in every other rank they play in? But the problem, <laughs> I don't know where I'm really going with this. It's just <laughs> something I've been knocking. It's a chicken in the egg situation. Well, and, like and You can't really yeah. get down to the point of, like, was it the trackers that are, are biased, or are these the actual coordinates and the team is actually playing this way and and the issue overall actually is that you just can't there's never you're never going to have a way to say this we this adjustment was correct there you can kind of guess and you can unless you, can, you went back um, and yes. literally retract like all of the games in that rank yeah and you basically provided clear evidence and you took a picture screenshot of every single shot and <laughs> yeah. you said here is where the shot was taken from these are the coordinates we're putting on and it. you did that you know because in a given season you know this is just I've been doing prep on our XG stuff, right? There's about ninety thousand, uh, you know, Fenwick events that have coordinates that are that fit this criteria that are in the areas that we're looking at. So you would need, you know, I mean, you could take a random sampling of that and kind of infer the general approach to that. But yeah. I think that the one thing is that the bottom line is that there is no, unlike a predictive model or unlike an expected goal model or something where you can literally compare like what we predicted to what actually happened. Um, there's no the the ground truth here is the what was tracked by the NHL and so we're trying to adjust for that. So the main concern that we've had with this is that are you over adjusting? So if you make some adjustment, are you adding in your own some not your bias but maybe some unknown bias, or are you fix are you fixing these in a way that's actually kind of not accounting for some things here and there? Um, you know, and, and what's funny is when we we our initial approach was kind of looking at a. Uh, I guess you would call it like kind of like what our Rappel model is like if you remember our glossary series, but that basically using that approach, but for venues looking at shot distance, but that yes, it shows distant the the difference in distance from av- average for each venue, but it also tends to show like you know we know like the Wild have been a good defensive team. Now there's also some concern with the Wild's trackers and you know that thing. So I don't I could ramble about this forever because this is the only thing I've been working on for the last like two weeks um, while I've been sick. We've been <laughs> more or less so like it, it's I think that we will have a lot more uh, down the line yeah. when we actually kind of. Uh, I guess, quote unquote, figure this out or what we end up doing. But I think it's a really interesting topic because kind of relating to what we've talked about this season, Sean, with your tracking and whatnot, right, is it's a, like not only do you, is it a lot of work to do, but you also have to be consistent with how those shots are being tracked in given you know instances and how different venues have a different way of accounting for it, um, I think is really interesting. Now, granted, again, I think the, the main, the big takeaway here is that this is almost specifically, in my opinion, really tied to goalie analysis and team analysis, but not even really team analysis. It's almost always goalie issues because of the amount of minutes goalies play and the amount of shots they face. Skaters, well, it would you know, be it would be team level too. Yeah, I get yeah. I mean it yes, it would be team level as well, but from a skater standpoint, yes. I have a hunch and I think what other people have shown is that it's very there's not it's not gonna change a lot about skaters just because they don't accumulate those kind of shot rates or shot totals like the way goalies do and so the issue is ultimately is you know that we've talked about before is those first couple three you know two three four years um you know specifically with the rangers goalies like there is an issue there that we're hoping to kind of at least at the base level address so is the idea with that not to keep on this topic i guess but is the idea of that is like players because there's so many fewer shots like they'll veer less from like quote unquote like the precise and accurate measurement 
Yeah. As opposed I, to yeah. like a goalie because there's such a large sample that can move so far away from yes. like you're perfect that it just impacts the goalies more because yeah. like to a certain extent with like players, right, you have a small you have a smaller sample, which I would inherently believe or not believe. I would intuitively like I have this gut instinct that like that would be the bigger factor as opposed to goalies, not because you're dealing with shots, but uh, not because of the smaller sample size. Like I feel like that would, that would affect players more. And especially like the fact that XG is like a skewed distribution, there'd be a possibility for um, fewer events to dramatically uh, affect a player as opposed to a goalie. Yeah, if I, I think so if I understand it, it your... It feels like reverse logic to me. I think if I understand your question correctly, it's more that, like, what you see, like, for instance, when well, you look at team trends, like, you can see across the entire rink of ice that the actual, like, the goalie is facing the entire, you know, spread of shots, like, at a high volume for the most part. Skaters, however, are kind of here and there. Like, it's not like they're consistently, you know, taking 8,000. I don't know. How, how many Fenwick shots are there in it like a, for a goalie faces in a year? Like 3,000 or so? I can't remember Something exactly. like that, yeah. But, like, you know, and for a skater, it's only a couple hundred, and they're kind of spread around the ice, and so it's not as much of a... Um, it, it doesn't have that well, systemic, we, I guess, impact. Well, we should say that this is you hypothesizing. Yes, and this, this is, is you yeah. speculating. Well, shouldn't it be, like, the same... Like, let's say those let's say a random defenseman on the Rangers in those first three years. Yeah. Like they should be affected just as much, if not more than Henry Lundquist. It would be my thought, but like the difference in player analysis is that you are comparing them. You're trying to isolate their impact. And if the entire universe of skaters is the same, then the impact shouldn't be as great. Like, is that the idea? Cause then I I would like, I would assume it would make the Rangers to play skaters look significantly worse defensively because of rink bias, which would then be an like a larger issue. Well, it'll basically in theory, if you correct quote unquote, this, um, the Rangers skaters defensively will look better because they're not allowing as much as high of an XG because the shots are actually further away than what we have they were tracked as correct correct and but the goalie will look worse so I, lundquist for instance we have his xg his goal saved above expected from is insanely yeah, no, i think sean high. knows yeah. this right yeah, but yeah. So it's like a saying, zero but it's like a zero sum yeah well i think i think the way, the way and again <laughs> i i think i i don't have enough i haven't done enough work yet and and actually dug into this because we haven't finalized it to answer this properly i think but my so again, I'm guessing here, but I think more of what it is is that I think the goalie, you can think of the skater unit as like one goalie. And so when you split up each one of the skaters on the Rangers, right, like they're the amount that is going to change from what was there to what isn't, you know, what might change with the adjustment is a lot smaller than what the goalie has. I think that's mostly like what I but would we're going to have but to see it's again, Sean it's brings a, up a yeah. good point because I hadn't thought about it that way like but it especially seem... yeah defensemen who play more minutes like are on the ice for more shots like in general maybe there is some big thing I think it's mostly I'm basing this on previous work like specifically Micah Blake McCurdy who's talked about how it doesn't seem to impact skaters all that much and there's also, been some work it, like Shuckers as well talking about I think that it's not as much of an issue for also I will um, s- skaters, say but. that most for most of like the work I think Josh has been working on this mostly um, I've, 
we, well, we've both been working on it, trying to figure out because we're doing a lot of doing a lot of base R here just with testing, which is not necessary. Anyway, yeah, and um, I saw all those tweets from Nate last night. <laughs> yeah, I just had the one. I think I was. It was some silly. Uh, I, it, yeah, this I saw is part- some of the replies or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, just just to explain that base R is the it's the it's the way that. R was used for decades before they came, like people made packages that allowed data manipulation to be done much easier. And it's unreadable. It's like, it doesn't make any sense if you have, if you're like an, a coder or pro, like programmer, it's just this kind of unintelligible, like, there's a random, lot of random, there's a lot of brackets, there's a lot of brackets. And- and- it's just it's kind of a mess, but it goes really fast, very efficient. And if you want to write really other than okay, other than for loops and applies, because for in R is not fast. Loops are not fast, but they're still useful. Anyway, what was I even saying? <laughs> you were just um, oh, I was base saying R. that it's the thing is that it's also with rink bias. It's not necessarily the shot locations that you think that are being recorded further away or closer. Yes. So the thing that really impacts expected goals is the shots that are within like 10 feet of the net, right? Those are the huge, huge XG values. Like if you're going from say 20% down to 5%, like a a point shot, probably going to have like a 2%, you know, expected goal probability. Right. And as you get in, like say you're at the top of the faceoff circle, well, that might only have like a 10% chance. Right. And then if you, depending upon a prior event and like whatever, and then, and then if you get within 10 feet, you know, say you're below the face-off dots or inside the face-off dots, well, XG jumps up considerably there. So it's it's like we were looking at like Minnesota from a season and most of the changes, the biggest changes were coming from below the blue line to the top of the face-off circle. So it wasn't really the shots that were in close that were being different from the rest of the league. It was the ones that are were, fur- more, were further out, which overall... If you change those, you're only going to go from like, I don't know, say it was maybe 5% and then the shot moved in 5 feet and it's going to maybe go to 7%. Maybe, right? It's like all of... And so it's going to be really interesting when we actually kind of get further and looking into this to see, okay, well, all the shots that are in close that are producing the bulk of the expected goals for a team or against or for, like they didn't really move that much. It was only these kind of more peripheral shots and those changed a lot, but they don't actually cha- impact and the expected goal value that differently. So it actually the teams don't really end up looking any different. So that's one possibility. Well, that, and with then how this to, could work. To add on to that, I think to to back to the original thing, thinking about this a little bit more with Sean talking about skaters and goalies, is that goalies are going to face all of those shots that are within ten feet. But those are a much rarer instant, like a much rarer. Uh, event than like say a bunch of perimeter shots and so skaters when they're on the ice they might you know get a couple of them a year that are like say 40 percent or 30 you know like that kind of thing but it's not nearly as many as the goalie who's facing every single one of them so i think that's one of the things is that as you get further away it it kind of like xg kind of starts to mimic like just actual shot counts when you're outside of the say 15 feet or 20 feet with like within the goal well, and either we're just and all ballparking again, this here. is all just kind of more hypothetical stuff but i think one of the things is that it's also that shot like the coordinates adjustment it's not a linear change like what luke is talking about here is that it's like in front of the net might say the same and the change might actually occur 
you know, I think when like in the Micah's middle, article, middle yeah, yeah, the yeah. middle or like I know that Micah showed, I believe, and I again, you should go check out if you haven't um, his scorekeeper bias article because it's really interesting or his 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 paper on hockeyviz.com. it, but hockeyviz.com. Um, but he shows that like for instance, there was a pretty big bias around the point shots for the Rangers, which you know they were being tracked way far away or way off now. Again, I think we should probably just end this conversation because I would like to do more work uh, to sit before I say anything yeah. with any certainty. But um, we will be having uh, probably something up on the site when we kind of go through it. Well, um, I, just the last put to put a bow on this is that I will say that we have had some people who are critic who's criticized our data in the past because we don't do scorekeeper. We have not done scorekeeper bias adjustments, um, and they act. People will act like, oh, it's just so easy. Just adjust account for scorekeeper bias it's like <laughs> let me tell you it's not simple it's not easy and it's a hard thing to, to account for which the, is why we yeah. didn't tackle it back when we made our xg model four years ago because we were making an xg model and we didn't also have time to account for this because it's a complicated difficult question and uh just know that it's not like you can just oh just simply do this it's like if i were uh, uh, if I ran a hockey stats wide, I would simply account for scorekeeper <laughs> bias, you know, rank adjustment bias, but it's not it, that easy. I guess the and, thing I'll say is that I, it's not like the data on our site right now is bad. It, I don't think, yeah, I don't think it, it is. It, there's anything wrong with it. I, we use it for all of our projection models. It's always seemed to do pretty well. So for the most part, everything is great. It's just that I think specifically the thing is the first three seasons, there are issues there that we need to adjust. I hope Datsuk doesn't, that season doesn't end up looking like. <laughs> Way different know. that God the God season. Yeah, it's honestly it's it's a lot of it is just the New York teams. It's like the Rangers and yeah. Islanders. Boston also in two thousand seven, two thousand eight had some weird stuff, but like who knows? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight was just like the first year. It's almost like well, it's also funny because I wasn't a hockey fan there. I would like to go back and like watch some of those games to see how different the game is then than it is from now. Like what Sean was saying, you were Sean about was how, four years old. How no. They, <laughs> you, no, we had this conversation too of. Um, I don't. I think it was like during the pandemic. I they were ran like reruns of the Stanley Cup Final on. Nessun, oh yeah, yeah. And like watching the Stanley Cup Final back from 2011 was one of the worst experiences. <laughs> Quality of hockey. Oh, to they were worse than the current Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> like I'm, I'm serious in the sense of like, it just the game has evolved so much over the last 11 years that like it's an unrecognizable game do you remember when coaches used to put two defensemen out for a power play and they would just like shoot from the point oh yeah, oh, yeah. like and don't get me wrong like there was some legendary stuff that came from that right like markov and suban as an example shea weber used to be a heater from the point but danny boyle yeah danny boyle <laughs> mike green yeah mike green, green, mike green. era for it you know great but it's terrible product. <laughs> well, and that, what's terrible funny, product. I think, is is again back to the like I, I you don't see a lot of game footage from even fifteen years ago, and like in like for instance, because yeah, they got rid of it. Yeah. I know. And comparing like <laughs> in baseball, you can go and watch like old baseball games, like yeah, they, like you play them on ESPN Classic, like they you can and I've done that growing up i used to watch like the, you know the only sports team that i'm a fan of that's ever won a championship is the twins and they used to replay like their 87 and 91 world series wins or, or runs and i would watch it in the sport then yeah there's some changes but for the most part it kind of looks similar now obviously yeah. the way that players are the I, I guess conditioning and like the way that the like swings and all this stuff and the, the focus on like you know like exit velocity and launch distance all these things and blah 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 launch angle 
But like the game still looks, you know, very similar. I think personally, no. Was- hockey though, it's like I haven't. It's been ten years since I've watched those games from ten years ago. I don't know. I it'd be no, funny. Hockey, to- hockey has evolved. People take yeah. it for granted. Hockey has evolved a lot over the last well, also- decade. Also, probably people don't know because you can't watch the games anymore. I know it's like people. It's funny because the joke about I think Josh said this about Gretz, like about Ovechkin scoring eight hundred. <laughs> no, yeah, we didn't we, mention. Well, that. we talked about that last he week. Still about hasn't how broken a, the empty net. He, record, he's an empty net think. goal merchant. Yeah, that's all we care about. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, it was funny because like Corey Schneider responded to Josh. You had a take about like it's insane that. Ovechkin, it's kind of crazy Ovechkin's done this in the modern era because, like, have you seen what the goalies looked like back in the 80s? And then Corey posted this really funny <laughs> goal that this, like, I think it was the, was it Lemieux? Was it Mario I, I, Lemieux? Yeah, it may I have think because it was a Penguins player. Anyway, it was like, it was like Lemieux scoring a goal on like a two on one break, like a, a, a breakaway, basically. I, and the goalie just, like, came out, like, with just stood up. Put their like cut down the angle, <laughs> stood up and just put their pads together. Just standing up with their pads together. I this must have been like pre butterfly oh, style. Classic, yeah. And it was like uh, they were like seven, eight feet out of the net, <laughs> just trying to cut the angle down. And it was like it was so funny. Well, it, it looks like they back then. It looks like goalies were just wearing street clothes, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. On the ice, they look like the skaters. It's so funny. Well, it's back. It's kind of the same thing when you hear. Uh, people talk about. I think the NFL before they had helmets, like yeah. it, there was a lot less actual head injuries because they there wasn't like basically if you put it anyway. I'm not going to go down this road. We should just take a break now. I know we said we weren't well, going, I think but we're, we're just gonna I think call it a podcast. Luke. I think yeah, we're almost. Oh, how we're, how we're long caught, have we gone? We're like getting it's close to forty a minutes. Over forty minutes. Yeah. Has it really? Like, yeah, yeah. That's oh, how long the rank bias conversation was. <laughs> oh wow! Like See, that's, a... that's basically been the prog- podcast. It's been one big conversation about rank bias. <laughs> I know, which is I, I hope we're not putting too much emphasis on it because I don't think it's that big of a deal. It's mostly that that's the only thing I've been thinking about for the last month. I think so. it's I think it's an interesting potential advance uh, to some degree. So I, I think it is a bigger deal than its actual impact like just marginally i guess yeah i think it's yeah. a big deal yeah it's just I, it's a it's a kind of interesting well we also talked about historical games and how games aren't available yeah. anymore and i'm uh, really let's be that honest is there a, hasn't really been a lot going on this well it is week. it is something where like we've just to finalize this is that like i think that it's kind of a bummer that the nhl doesn't really seem to focus or want to improve their historical data quality from like older games like i would love it there's just no incentive for them to do it i know but like you could get all types of content if we had rtss data going back to the 80s like that would be i mean and you see this with like the mlb where they'll have replays of like i'll go watch like condensed perfect game replay this might be though with asking for data back to the 80s this might be a elon musk careful what you wish for what did he tweet he's like careful what you wish for or whatever i don't know anyway uh after the whole twitter poll did you uh you see that twitter poll yesterday about how lost right yeah i I think so did you see do you follow the um accounts like christopher molisanti weighs in on current events i don't know i don't think so (laughs) oh it's a terrific account (laughs) that sounds like a fun account it's like um it was like based on um i think the scene where like adriana um is this a spoiler chris tells adrian i mean it the show is so old I know. Chris it tells it's, Adriana. Okay, dude, first about, of all, we're just gonna say soprano spoiler alert. So mute the if you're gonna listen. Maybe here. it's not even. Maybe but, not. I don't know. Go, Sean. 
when Chris tells Adriana about um, her being like an FBI informant. Okay, oh, it's yeah. a big spoiler. So That's like, a big like that, spoiler. It's like it's like. Is it though? I feel like we all should have known. Anywho. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, but like that's I, at the end of the series, dude. You got to give a warning for that. I mean, granted, mo- people have probably seen The Sopranos. Okay, I continue. Don't know, dude, how old is it? But it was kind of like based on that. It was like tone. Um, <laughs> I should just look it up. It it was a great. It, it but it was based on that. Like that was the tone. Is like tone. Like he's like he lost to the Saudis or something like that. Oh, <laughs> I'll find it. Somewhere. Oh yeah, the World Cup fun- finish. Yeah. I didn't watch I, a single. I, maybe this is. I shouldn't say that. I didn't watch a single World Cup. That was the greatest World Cup final of all time. Was it? It was good. I don't know. I haven't watched all of them. But I can't. Elon lost the vote. T. It's over. The Saudis have him now. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Anyway, yeah. you can turn the you can turn the volume on now because the Soprano spoilers are. Yeah, we're done with support. It was spoiling the Sopranos at this point. Isn't that like season six? Yeah, it's it was like late. Last season late. spoiler right there. Yeah. Sorry, I think if you... that was a scene, but then, like, now that I'm thinking, whatever. Anyway, it might not be. Anyway, um, we didn't. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess we'll. Uh, I guess this will be it. This we we don't do these these one part long episodes. I mean, I guess we're getting close to 45 minutes now. So yeah. Um, well, well, we should probably end it. Yeah, and, we should. Uh, we'll okay. st- we'll be back on Wednesday with Corey. Yeah. We will be back on Wednesday. Uh, hopefully, Luke will um, shower after sweating through all those base R scripts. Hey, that, that was Josh that was, just that sweating was through the base time. R scripts. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Josh, 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 whatever. But Luke's Luke's the one who always sweats through the R scripts. So um, we'll be back on Wednesday with with our special guest Corey. Well, I guess we'll drop it on Thursday. We always just talk about it as when we yeah. record, which is always funny. I just realized that it's Tuesday. Um, today. No, today's today's Monday. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying it's Tuesday I for the that. list. I understand okay. that, Luke. I understand that. Anywho, uh, thank you for listening. Please uh, subscribe, download, leave a review, whatever else, and please come back on Wednesday to listen to our next episode. Right, Take thanks. it easy, Sean. Thanks, Sean. <laughs>